0: Welcome everyone to the College Parent Podcast. My name is Callie Edwards and my name is Hannah Hansen. and we want to thank you for joining us. On today's episode we will be interviewing Angie Bryant, Assistant Dean of Students and Case Manager at Belmont University and discussing how parents can set their student up for success when navigating medical and mental health conditions and diagnoses. Let's go ahead and dive in. Welcome Angie Bryant to the College Parent Podcast. So the first question we want to ask is, how common is it for students to come into college with a known medical or mental health diagnosis? It is quite common,
1: I would say. Um, It's part of the reason for the existence of a health services and counseling services on every college campus across America. It's just a different season of life, but all of the uh, mental or physical health conditions that you had in high school, they follow you into college. So that's why we're here
2: how can a parent bridge the gap between the support their student received prior to college and then the support needed while in college? I would say the best way to
1: bridge the gap would be to be really proactive and act early. Um, Not wait until your student is actually here at Belmont before you start to think about what the need is. One of the things that we do at Belmont is in health services, they actually have you fill out a health form prior to coming so that you're forced to think about all of the immunizations that you've had or need to have, um, the medications that you take. And so if you take that information and then think, how do I duplicate? this here um, then it becomes acting proactively to think about what medical support do I need what potential um, prescriptions and so really being proactive to think about it prior to and creating a plan to duplicate whatever you were um, using at home I would say.
0: What common resources on a college campus should students seek out prior to their move-in day and what would that process look like once a student is actually established on campus?
1: The resources, I would say, again, thinking about every, your network that existed at home. So the resources, I would say, seek out health services, seek out the pharmacy, seek out counseling services. And speaking of the pharmacy and actually those other two departments, I would also say think about insurance. That's a really, really big deal in ensuring that your insurance will follow you from one state to the other. And if not, what supplemental um, addendums do you need to get to your insurance packages? But when you think about those campus resources, one, you want to make sure that your prescriptions will either Transferred so that they can be refilled? Or if not, then what do I need to do proactively to ensure that when my medication is running out, I'm being proactive because um, I'm not a pharmacist, but I'm not sure if you can transport what, what the transportation of medication across state lines looks like. Um, And then health services, again, you're you're completing that health form prior to coming, and then you're thinking about, what does my medical support team look like now? Is it a physical health doctor? Is there a cardiologist, an OBGYN, you know, all of your support team, and what does that look like? And in terms of your mental health, is there a therapist, psychiatrist? What do you need, and how do I duplicate that here? And so let me go ahead and connect with the offices ahead of time, because most of those offices will have an information packet for you that will tell you exactly what you need to do in order to get plugged into their specific office and then if you're out of state considerations that you might need to have in terms of getting set up here on campus.
2: What would you suggest that parents do to kind of seek out those resources? Would they look at like websites to try to find people to connect to that college for their to assist their student?
1: definitely websites most of those resources are introduced to parents during orientation and so I would say as a parent begin to create the checklist of things that you as a parent will need to um, follow up on and I would say um, begin to create that listing of conversations you need to have with your student so often as parents we take care of things for our child I will say that because my daughter is a freshman here at Belmont and we just do those things but in teaching students to transition from being at home to this new level of independence it's having these ongoing conversations and beginning to educate them um, somewhat holding their hand but requiring that they do it not doing it for them but literally teaching them, okay, these are the things you need to do. Let's talk about, you know, if you've got a cold, okay, you're going to go to health services. Here's my insurance card. I'll send you a picture of it. You might need a hard copy, but if you do call me, I'll take care of it. But literally beginning to educate them about these are every next step that you need to have in order to take care of this thing, because you're becoming an adult. And in this new season of life, I should not be the one to do it for you. Now I have to confess as a mom, my response is always now, if you have trouble, baby you call mama and i'll help you out but i'm but but literally being educational with the student to have these ongoing conversations because and and let me say for parents we're sometimes especially if if it's your only child you're new to this as well so you're trying to figure out the things that you need to do those offices are a great resource you can call and ask the question but prior to doing that search out the website because a lot of the information is already there for you um so looking at the websites and then um if you need to call and ask the questions but i would strongly encourage parents don't do it for your your son or daughter i know it's hard I know it's hard, but don't do it for them because the best thing you can do is to teach them to be an independent adult.
0: One question that is kind of bouncing around both of our brains is what advice would you give parents as they are navigating maybe their student experiencing shame or embarrassment or guilt around their diagnosis and not wanting to share it, but needing the support? What, what could that look like or what have you seen that looking okay. like?
1: I guess what I would say to that, and, and what I frequently tell students, is that this season of life can be incredibly challenging. It can be one of the most stressful seasons in the life of a human, And these things are so common that on every college campus in America, there will be a health services and there will be a counseling services. It is so common for mental health diagnoses to even emerge during this season. So what I would suggest is that while it looks like everyone has it all together, I would venture to say, everybody doesn't have it all together. They just look like they do. And the reason these resources exist is because we know that there is a need. So the most adult thing you can do is to recognize that you're paying for a service. The service is here and the most successful students actually access those resources you just don't know that they do but they are doing the things that they know that they need to do in order to be well and to be successful in the classroom and to manage their stress and to manage their anxiety. And there is no shame in that. We all as humans feel those emotions, but the... Um, the most courageous thing you can do is acknowledge that this is what I'm feeling. It is not who I am. It is an emotion that I am feeling. And there is someone who literally went to school to teach me how to think through this thing and, and, and really kind of work it out. But we all have experienced a gamut of emotions. You're not the emotion, it's something that you're feeling. So there's no shame in having a feeling. The challenge is having the courage to do what you know you need to do so that you can be well and you can be successful and not letting that feeling begin to dominate your life and impact you negatively.
2: What would you say would be a good timeline for helping their student connect to these resources? I would say immediately after orientation
1: and i say that because on most college campuses health services and counseling services they are not full service areas and so their scope of service is limited so in doing that you begin to understand exactly what services they offer and what they can help you with and they can also give you referrals to other providers that are in the area of of most college campuses in some instances you can actually walk to those providers as well so if you connect early you begin to understand exactly what the scope of service is you can get a list of referrals and then you can go ahead and make the connection to the referrals so that by the time you come for you go to school for and come for welcome week you then have the opportunity to connect with some of those local providers because in some instances um, there could be a little bit of a wait list to actually see a provider so if you start as early as say June when orientation happens you know it's a no-brainer that you can schedule something for mid-August when you actually come back to to the state or to your college campus for beginning the fall semester so start early and connect so that you understand scope of service for each department.
2: And then what encouragement would you give to parents that are navigating these type of conversations with their students knowing that you know they might not might not always be easy?
1: I guess the encouragement that I would give parents is that as parents, we sometimes think we have to always have it figured out. And I think what I've discovered with my with my daughter is I tell her frequently, you know, I've never been a mom of a college student. I'm learning to let go. I'm learning to navigate this. And you're going to have to be patient with me, but I'm here and we're going to walk through this together. So for me, it's thinking of what challenges or what physical conditions does she have? Um, then you know when would she need to see a doctor? When would she need to have a prescription refilled? And then again, it's about those ongoing conversations because parenting at this stage of life should look differently than it did when they were in high school. So all of the things that I did for my daughter when she was a high school student, I should not be doing for her as an independent college student, but it is about me teaching her and saying to her, I've never been the parent of a college student, so you're gonna have to be patient and we're gonna work through this. And recognizing that we don't have to all have, we don't have to have, but all figured out, and that the professionals at the institution are actually our partners. They are the experts in student development, and they are people that we can call on, ask advice, and then come up with a strategy for how I can best assist as a parent, but from a distance, and allow my student, my child, to navigate life as an adult. But as a parent, I don't have to have it all figured out, and two, I shouldn't do it all for them. That's That doesn't help them in the long run so. And then knowing that the um, the professionals say they're, they're my partners. It doesn't have to be an adversarial relationship because something is going on with my son or daughter. It's how do we work together to make sure they have what they need or that I'm being supportive in a way that's appropriate for my, for my child.
2: So a, lo- a lot of the time this will be students first time sharing a room with somebody else and having roommates as opposed to people who are family maybe or you know loved ones that they've lived with for a long time so in thinking about you know people who already have medical or mental health conditions and diagnoses what advice would you give for parents and coaching their student through living with someone
1: you never really get to know someone until you live with them okay so the reality is is that if you have a physical or mental health condition it is highly likely that the roommate will will become aware of it so in order to I think facilitate a good living situation I think there should be a conversation between the roommates and then potentially the parents um, just so that one it's all out on the table and again it's that student's story to share, so they have to determine how much they're comfortable with, but then also for the person who now has a roommate who has a mental health condition or a physical health condition. What I would say is welcome to adulting. It's not always easy. It's not always convenient. Sometimes life gets messy, but it's about how do I learn how to negotiate this living situation because I now need to be in a relationship with this person. I don't know what this thing is, or if I'm now made aware, then maybe I can go and do a little bit of research and study up on it so that I'll know what to expect so that I'll know how to go into the situation not being afraid or judgmental but from a place of compassion because who really wants to deal with a condition themselves so if I'm the roommate I want to know how I can help or how I can give you space or how I can be respectful but it would help me as that as the person living in that situation to know what I'm going to be faced with so I would say conversation transparency, education, and then compassion. And then it's negotiating living with another human being.
0: Wow, Angie, I think everything you've said has been excellent and extremely helpful. And the advice and tips will be so meaningful in many situations i specifically appreciate um where you've mentioned students being a part of the conversations more likely leading them and and Mm -hmm. being engaged and not just you know a watcher but a participant in their own setup for success at their um, institution and then also your emphasis on you know self-educating and and parents researching and being aware of what their student is going through especially with how prevalent it's becoming and with the age, you know, the early 20s is when most mental health diagnoses manifest themselves. And so I appreciate you sharing all of that with us. And I think it's going to be really impactful for a lot of people. As we wrap up this
2: episode, we want to thank Andrew Bryant for taking the time to be a guest on our show. If you want to learn more, you can check out our other The College Parent Podcast episodes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Have a great day and we'll see you next time.